Ever read a book and one of the main character in the video game that you're playing? Have you ever seen a movie and imagined the villain in your next tabletop campaign? So have we. So have we! Yeah, the Game Around Me podcast. Kind of forget there's a script. How dare you interrupt the script you speak of? <laughs> Here on the Gamer Alchemy Podcast, we will explore how characters from endless fictional settings might be built in different worlds. Want to see Buzz Lightyear in Elden Ring? <laughs> to infinity deaths and beyond, we'll imagine it. And hey, maybe the Sorcerer Supreme Wong on a Yu-Gi-Oh trading card ready to do 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 rule. <laughs> Elliot wasn't ready for that. That was uh, beautifully unscripted. Well, let's give it a try there, folks. <laughs> Great, and whatever the combination or wacky conversation, we'll talk the lore and game design and find the best fit here on the g g g g g g g gamer, gamer alchemy alchemy poker. I mean podcast podcast. Oh, man, folks, we are... Thank you for um, taking the time, I hope, to listen to the last few episodes where Guy and I just kind of shared a bit about our gaming and nerdish backgrounds. Um, we just figured giving a bit more of a context to who we are would um, kind of ease you in to what we want to share with you every single episode. So we are diving like back a, a in smooth jazz playing smooth jazz folks we're diving back into what we consider a bit of our core series which is adapting league of legends um back into dungeons and dragons or depending on how we set it up other uh role-playing tabletop games so um today we are going to be discussing a new region uh for the podcast which is ionia and Guy, with his lore podcast, which is <laughs> Stories of Runeterra, the League of Legends podcast, if, uh, you know, just going to drop that in here, um, he is our lore expert here, and so I'm going to let him introduce Ionia for us. Uh, expert is a generous term, dear friend, but long story short, I think Ionia is really near and dear to a lot of people's hearts because it's got some of the most iconic uh, characters from the region. We've got Ari, we have a lot of the Vestaya, which are Rakan and Zaya. We have the the various members of what's called the King Kao Order, which is, uh, well, formally Zed, and then Shen and their, uh, their adopted father and Akali and... Uh, oh, who's the electric mouse? Why, Kenan. Kenan. There we go. Pikachu? I don't know why that just escapes my brain. Um, but furthermore, we have the iconic Jin, and next week we will be talking about an entire Tomb of Horrors idea for a Jin dungeon, which you can take as you will. Anyway, so there's there is a lot in Ionia that is iconic to League of Legends and has been around since the beginning of the game. But what we're going to talk about today, one of the biggest pieces that we think is would be super fun to bring into a uh, game for D and D. And before you get 
really nervous and wonder, are we going to do the Noxian invasion? We figured no. So there's essentially two main plot lines, per se, in the Ionian lore. You've got the most recent one in the timeline, which is the second invasion of Noxus. We have Yasuo and Riven's story in there, uh, a bunch between Akali, Zen, and Shen, or no, Zed, Shen, and their... I just did their episodes like three weeks ago. I can't remember their their. Um, I thought they were the their characters. Yeah, that's the order. But I'm trying to think of the guys like the shadow dad. The, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Chen's yeah. father. Um. Anyway, and so we also have Varys, and that like so. There's there again ton of characters so you have two main tracks the invasion of noxus which has all of those but the other side which also has a really interesting thing that we're going to lean a little bit more into is um the the world is a very spiritually themed world and so the, at the heart of the king cow order is this idea of balance between the spiritual world and the physical world um, and so we figured that would be a really fun place to lean in because we get to talk about all the different monastic traditions. We've got, um, we have the Hirana order, which is where Udyr and Lee Sin trained. We have the Kinka, which we've mentioned already, Akali, Kenan, and Shen. We have the Navori Brotherhood, which, uh, are an enemy of Relia. Uh, we have the Shadow Order, which was started by Zed. The Shuljin Order, which is where Lee Sin came from. And then the Art of Wuju, which is taught by Wukong and carried by Master Yi. And each of those, we feel like, makes for a fun little way to tweak what are some already interesting classes that usually don't get, I, from what I hear, don't really get played a lot in Dungeons & Dragons. Namely, I'm thinking primarily the way of mercy for Monk or even the way of the astral self. But th there's there's a lot. So I think where we can start is maybe going through and figuring out, well, what would be iconic things that you would tweak for regular play in an Ionian setting? And I also wanted to hear your thoughts about why you kind of wanted to dive into Ionia and what pieces you would want to see primarily featured in like a, a quick play version. So the thing, man, it's, a, it's a, such a tough question. I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording and I had mentioned to you that like Ionia is one of the regions where like the in-depth lore is something that i feel like so many people can miss they'll stay at the surface level with like your yasuo riven stories because those are plastered everywhere by riot but it's also because it's a very intimate story it's something that we can all deal with like something mm -hmm. where we feel like we there's a failure and there's redemption in it and it's like man that's something i can relate to and something that i can hope for and but there's also there's such a deep effort put into the back of Ionia that it's like, man, this is also partially for like my own discovery. Like um, it mm -hmm. is, a, it is a very interesting place. Every single time that there is a champion 
uh, released from Ionia into the game, I'm always like, okay, I'm interested because they're immediately just, there's a background of mystery to them. I don't think, like, even looking on the League wiki page, like, Ari, Akali, Aurelia, Ivern, Jin, Karma, Kane, Kenan, Leeson, Lilia, Master Yi, Rakan, Set, Shen, Syndra, Varys, Wukong, Zayas, Yasuo, Yon, Zed. Like, all of them, there's a, some hint of mystery or something that is unknown. Even Syndra, that one's interesting. Like, I, I she's terrifying. Until we started this. She's, well, she's terrifying, but I didn't realize that she was in mm-hmm. Ionia. And then I read just the one line where she destroyed a god willow Mm -hmm. but even as a child just looking at each of these characters the two that i would say are actually the most fleshed out to where you actually have a ton of information about them or a a, i won't even say a ton of information you have more complete information about them are actually probably just Jin and set like Everyone else, there are some big knowns about them, but Jin's story actually is... no. Jin's story ends with him being released by the current government and used as an assassin, so they don't know where he is. But he's being used. No, you're right. You're right. I didn't know that tidbit. Um, but there I is... didn't either till I did his thing the other day. There is a like. There is always like. There is always the edge of mystery. But I would say like Jin has a pretty full circle story like he was murdered yeah. he was captured and all this stuff his interactions with uh zed and y- or zed and shen um and then set when he was released i thought that his story was actually pretty done i was like okay set just seems like a guy that fits into league like cool you're a part of the world i don't know how much you're going to interact with everyone else bro <laughs> like and he's like the most bro of bros not like broloff but just like dudes bro i was i was actually about to say the dude is set and then i'm like wait (laughs) (laughs) but like puns without even realizing it all of these characters there's an edge of mystery to them and it's simply because the world that they are from has that edge of mystery because there are all of these push and pulls uh in the agendas of all these different moving parts many I, i would be shocked if and if if even a minority of our listeners, I would say it is the the like vast minority that will be like, I am familiar with all of them. I know every single order. I know all this stuff. Because there's so much going on in Ionia, and it's just not highlighted mm. that much. Um, no. So that's... that's Even now as I'm like crash coursing some of this on the bulleted list of stuff, I'm seeing places that would make for... Awesome, just like incredible little even side quests in mm-hmm. in a D&D campaign. Yeah. I'm looking here there's a place called Wehle is a phantom port protected by the mystical properties of Ionia and it's like it's the hideout for Kali now that she's left the King Cow order. But it's where Yasuo and Yon fought an Azak- Azakana demon. So and that's probably the, the one from festival happens. Yeah, yeah, from the video. Which yeah. that alone, if you wanted to take, this is actually something I don't know if we've even said before on the podcast. If you wanted to take any of the in-world events that League has done, like those are basically mini campaigns that you could run with. Even if it was like even the 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 skin line events, like the Star Guardian ones. 
figure out a way to adopt those characters, adapt those characters. Oh. And there's, oh, there's yeah. like a mini campaign for you. Um, there's a, there's a world where we're going to do something with the project skins and I don't know if it'll be D and D, but I still remember oh. when the project skins first came out and yeah, oh man, I just, I freaking loved it. I don't remember whether it was the first project skin line or the second project skin line that came with mm -hmm. the project game mode. With the one with the triangle map? Yes. That, I remember that. In my opinion, and I I might be, I, pr I probably am in the minority here. That was my favorite game mode, alternate game mode that's ever come out. I was amazing at it. Like, because I was good at, like, using all of the jumps to different platforms to evade and, like, there were so many times where it was me versus the entire enemy team, and I would escape one person, able, and then I would be able to trick them into a pincer by myself somehow, and then just pick <laughs> them off one by one and gain a quick lead. Like, I was, it was so much Galaxy fun. brain. It, it, it really did make me feel that way. But focusing back to Ionia. <laughs> no, I hear you. So let's walk through a couple of the different regions, and I will, maybe I'll pitch them to you. And then, because, because I really, Again, this is really neat. If we're going to transform this Ionia into a campaign, I know we're going to focus a lot on our gin dungeon. But for me, I think the first, the, the main theme of something you would do with Ionia is some kind of demon spirit or some kind of interaction with, um, between the orders. So you've got a couple specific orders. Now, they're in, in lore are not necessarily in competition, but there are a couple that really, really Buttheads. make for good backgrounds. Yeah. To start, in, or as like patrons. So the first couple that immediately come to my mind are, of course, the King Cow which are a clan dedicated to the preservation of balance. I think that's a really neat place to start mm -hmm. for a level one campaign is you going out and meeting either as a trader or maybe you're a weaponsmith and you're called to some kind of village to try and solve a mystery. But what ends up happening is you run into the King Cow Order. And depending on if you kill the spirits or you kill the people or call it justly, you either make an enemy or you make an ally of the king cow is my first like seed that I'm going to throw your way and will workshop. The second order, the second big org like faction are the Navori Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And the Navori Brotherhood are basically just like Murica, but for Ionia. Um, very ultra-nationalist group that emerged during the invasion of Noxus, uh, but they also want to unite the entire continent under one rule. And they're pretty vicious towards people that don't align with their vision. Noted especially they are not great fans of Aurelia. Then you've got the Shadow Order, which could either be a villain or depending on your interactions could become an ally depends then you have the shuljin order and they are they are 
very peaceful. So I feel like they would be they would be like the iconic way of mercy sect or order for if we're talking D&D monk classes. They're basically focused on inner healing. They are the people that gave rise to Lee Sin. And then finally you have the Wuju order, which is like a blade master order. And oh, then right. the Ye, only yes. I was like Wuju, yep, Wuju, Wuju. Wuju. Yeah, he's the last surviving master of the art, but he has trained Wukong. So didn't know that Wukong and Master Yi were connected. Um so anyway, those are the main orders, and I think they those are a good place to start. And with this underlying theme of like the spirit blossom, demons afoot, or spiritual world at an imbalance. And what are your thoughts? Just to note, so we can get it out of the way, because Bard and or well, Guy and I really like Bard. Um Bard does have a location that is supposedly set somewhere in Ionia, and that's where he'd appeared, and it's called Bard Mountain and the Battle of Bard Mountain, and that's about all that is said about it. So we love Bard. We're not going to talk about him, but he does have a possible connection to Ionia. Could be a side quest, maybe, <gasps> and that's where you could create some great fanfic. Um... I, see, when I first start thinking about all of the different orders, I like, I'm immediately thinking, like, instead of narrative, I'm immediately thinking, like, mechanics. Like, right. Like, and I, because, like, you got to dig in deep, a lot deeper than what I have, um, to, like, mm -hmm. come up with a good balance one. But, I do like what your starting idea was, which was maybe you come upon something and there's a situation where it's choose to do this or choose to do that. And it will be one way or the other. And you're basically, it'd be very easy to make it a, okay, this choice is either going to make this a, we got to flee the country campaign or that would a, be interesting. or a, ah, join us in our quest for balance in these lands. Two vastly different campaigns. Um, right. And in one case, you would just move towards hunting spirits or humans that have wrecked the imbalance. In the other case, you would be trying to get from the, inter the inner wilds to the coast and escape. Right. And it's like, Which so it's like, it's, it's, if your players, if your players definitely like a monster of the week thing. Maybe don't give them the choice and just say, let's keep the balance and here's why. And maybe present different, but there's still there's still a lot of um, nuance that you can give those decisions. Um, so, like, if it is with the Kinku order, and Guy, correct me if I'm mixing them up because we've been talking about them for the last, longer than the recording. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if, it, if it is with the Kinku order, um, I think that the main hook for you as a DM, or for whomever as a DM listener dear listener um would mm -hmm. be that you present situations that while they shouldn't technically challenge your characters they are challenging your players um i'm not going to say that that's the mark of a good dm but i think that a campaign set in ionia is ripe with potential for you to present a situation where it's like 
I feel like I gotta ignore my humanity to say this, and as a player, I hate to say this about my character, or I hate that my character's about to say this, and what do you do? And the challenge for your players would then be, okay, do I fit the roleplay and just do it, whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be killing something, it could just be doing a different choice than you would diff like normally, or are your players going to embrace of, okay, I want my morals, my personal morals to actually affect the gameplay, but I want to justify it in the narrative. So how am I going to help my character yeah. make this decision? And I think that there could be yeah. a, a lot of really good dynamics, especially with the a, a keeping balance campaign of some kind. Well, it's it's easily you easily frame that entire setup between. So let's take our the example we said earlier. So let's say your campaign starts one big part of the character building aspect if before we start outlining like tier one two and three campaign uh like story beats i think for character creation we'll keep it simple obviously monks are in this deep now the other piece of ionia is a deep connection to the land so i think there's another place where you could lean heavily into and this seems bizarre because then you're going to be playing with two of the most stupidly broken classes in dnd but you could lean heavily into the druidic end as well mm -hmm. because the whole heartbeat of ionia is being one with the land so if you like the creative edge of because because I feel like even in my own world, when we're talking about druids, there's just a little. I feel like the land druids get a bad rap because everyone goes immediately for the moon druid for mm -hmm. their bio, their their bonus action shapeshift. But maybe since if you're traveling through Ionia, maybe there's a way that you make some of the other druid classes a lot more interesting and make some kind of boon. Because I just don't like that we always use the moon druid. Are there So what is it, the moon druid, because I'm not as familiar with the druid class. When I think druid, I think shapeshifting and I think plants. So moon druid mm -hmm. sounds a little bit more spiritual. So is that like kind of like it's the druid, but instead of organic, it's more spiritual stuff? No, if so, the moon druid specifically is just everyone's. I think it's moon. Let me. Oh, for the love of heaven. Um. The the moon druid circle of the moon is everyone's favorite because you get a, you get wild shape as a bonus action. Okay. It's for no other reason than that. If we're talking about the more quote unquote spiritual one, I'm gonna look to circle of the shepherd, circle of the stars. And Circle of Dreams. So Circle of like Dreams of is this this one that plays between so their first line I mean let me let me just read you their their feats. Balm of the summer court, hearth of moonlight and shadow, hidden paths, walker in dreams. And so this is someone that walks the line between the the Feywild and I feel like you can play a lot with the Feywild in Ionia. You could. Um, and I would argue, though, that it's it's there's actually the minority of characters in Ionia would actually be the kind of ones that you would want to look at having this druidic mix in. Um, I also have a really sure. funny question about a particular league character. But, um, like, Ivern is an obvious druid choice. Um, another, mm -hmm. another druid choice I think would be Lilia. 
Um, but beyond vomit, beyond that, I actually really like Lily. I just think that her kit is not useful enough in League. But um, I she is quite quaint. I just get smashed by her every time I play, and her true damage, true damage. true damage. Okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna bleed you for days on your true damage. Um, just bleed through. Sorry. But I would say if you're going for a not league character character, you're going to have a lot more options to consider for Druid and Ionia um, because you can do whatever you want. Um, but if you yep. were if you wanted to stick like if you're looking at making a Druid based on a league character, it's probably going to lean towards that side question. Um, mm -hmm. What class would you classify Kenan for in D&D? Uh, what class would I make Kenan? Yes, because I've got a really good one. If we're talking just basic abilities, and we're not doing some weird multi-class feat stuff, the couple that immediately come to my mind are Storm Herald barbarian but you play him as a thrower okay or uh let me now you've got me some really bizarre i see i don't know quite how you would replicate his in-game play short of the berserker the the storm herald you could do a storm sorcerer maybe so and you, play him like i played mine so your first I, guess was awfully close to what i was thinking i was okay. actually thinking a totem warrior barbarian i was gonna say eagle is the one is that if you go totem warrior eagle you get this really insane speed thing because that was the other direction i was gonna go so i'm pretty sure that my halfling that i'm running right now uh, is Eagle. Uh, I know he's Totem Warrior, but I have made him... I First off, Halflings have Luck as a trait, and mm -hmm. I also got him the Luck Feet, and our DM allowed us one magical item, and he said, if it's in like the typical handbook, I'm probably going to give it to you as long as it's like rare or lower. And I found okay. one called the Cloak of Displacement, which means that any attacks against you have disadvantage. So, not only do I have... I don't know how I feel about what you just told me. <laughs> it's beautiful. So he's a halfling, which means he's half the size. He's got a cloak of displacement, which gives him disadvantage, gives people disadvantage on all attacks against him. He can move through mm -hmm. the space of any... Literally any creature. It's a, As long as they're larger than him, he can move through their space. Um, mm -hmm. And then I have the luck feat... And the luck trait, and which basically means that any natural one I can re-roll with the luck trait, and any roll that I want, I can, for three times a long rest, I can offer another dice as an option. So you I might as well just dip two levels into divination wizard and get the I pick a dice at the beginning of the day to trade with any roll over the course of the day. He's he it's he's the slipperiest guy. I've also made him a cook, and his thing is cooking. He is he is I I my my shtick is non tragic backstories. <laughs> Anyways, I that's what I really pictured of him. 
non-tragic backstories. But yeah, with the because e, I do like your your idea there with the eagle because I'm looking at it right now. We've got eagle. You get a dash action. You get a well. The second level up is kind of dumb. Oh, so you would go totem warrior eagle first. Then you go for your second one. You would pick elk. Yes, elk. Because when mounted or on foot, your travel pace is doubled. Yep, I'm I'm uh, definitely and, aiming for that one. And then third, you would do. Ooh, this sounds so silly. You would, I think, you would go elk for the final the final totem choice as well. Cause while raging, you use a bonus action to move through the space of a larger, smaller creature and they have to succeed a strength saving throw or be knocked prone and take bludgeoning damage equal to one D 12 plus your strength modifier. Now there's a world where you ask your DM and say, Hey, can it be still be a strength or maybe a constitution saving throw? And it's one D 12 lightning damage. There you go. So that, and then of course the other one is Storm Herald, which basically when you start your rage, you shock people around you. I had one of my oh. buddies play that in the same game where I played my punchy sorcerer, who didn't die, but came very close to dying many times. I like it. I like both. I like so, both okay. options. So now I know I'm gonna. I'm basically creating Kenan with my current character. What? Excellent. Um, back so to monks. Kenan, member of the King. Back to monks. Uh, so quickly through the different. It's very easy to go through and look at each of these major groups and maybe assign them one of the monk. The Navori would easily be fighters and um, uh, paladins mm -hmm. or like uh, ancestral guardian. Like Ionia is a beautiful setting to use your ancestral guardian barbarian. Um, makes perfect sense to me so there's a lot of there's a lot of just vanilla well they're not vanilla but like unchanged um classes that you can just dump right into ionia and they fit and the only difference would be is hop onto the league of legends wiki and go find what temple you came from if you're a monk or what tribe you were in as a barbarian like very easy to do um You've got the Temple of Thanjul, the Temple of Koshin, uh the Temple of Juanain. Anyway, a lot of those. So I guess we should move shortly over to... And then, of course, you can do a Kenstai warrior, um, Yasuo and Yon, samurai mm -hmm. or, or um, Kenstai warrior easily. Yeah. Now Yon though. Warlock? I don't know. Weapon warlock? So I don't know. You could argue warlock. Uh I would say within the lore that is not a warlock situation. Because Yon no, is I'm, it's kind I'm of double checking it. They've kind of, I'm pretty sure they've kind of like two become one, like here's demon, here's dead man, and boom, you've got Yon. Um However, his his uh, if anyone, I haven't seen it on the League fan pages since Elden Ring came out. But Yon basically looks like he's carrying the weapon Rivers of Blood from uh, Elden Ring. Um, 
it fits too perfectly for him. Um, I he you know I'm looking at some of his lore. He might fit into the astral self monk, okay. and you would just fight with a weapon because his whole thing is he can step out of himself. Oh yes, right? Yes, figure out some way to make that work. Spectral weapons of some sort, maybe if he has. Maybe if if spectral if non physical weapons have to come with another class like a spell casting class, do it because that'd be a really fun, interesting build to figure out how to play. It may not be the most effective in D anD D, but it'd be fun to try to be loyal to the character. I mean, I think the we, the only piece you would need to figure out is how you would be able to use it in combat because at sixth level for Way of the Astral Self, you get Visage of the Astral Self. Yep. Now, as a bonus action, you can activate your. Oh my goodness! You can summon a vision, a visage of your astral self as a bonus action. You can activate arms of the astral self and spend a key point to summon summon the visage. That's a hard word for ten minutes. Um, it, the spectral visage covers your face like a helmet or a mask. While it is present, you get the following benefits. You can see normally in darkness, both magical and non-magical. You have advantage on wisdom and charisma. And when you speak, you can direct your words to a creature of your choice, making it so that only that creature can hear you, and you can amplify your voice so that all creatures within 600 feet of you can hear you. And then at 11th, you get body of the astral self, where you get empowered arms and deflect energy. Hmm. I really like this. I would just, I really would want to figure out some way to have my spectral body wield some kind of weapon. If it's there. Well, there was a, there's a, there's a spell. So if you went, um, I don't know if it would be magic initiate, but if you did, let me see if I can find it. Cause there is a spell by critical role sources, tools, game rules. For transmutation wizards mm-hmm. from uh, let me see. I don't know what level it is. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, critical role. Call of the Nether Deep. They're also coming out with Spelljammer and I'm not going to geek out too hard but my god am I excited. Um, sorry. It's it's something that it's it's a spell that Caleb casts in Critical Role, and it essentially summons a version of yourself. Okay. That can go do a thing. You could also play with mirror image. Like you could paint the spell mirror image to do something interesting there. Anyway, so Moving on to the actual campaign uh, connections or little little story arcs. Where do we start? Where's a good little story arc to start? I think I think the easiest between... is sticking with like the traditional Shen Zed. Um, I think it'd be really interesting. Like you could make a pretty easy enemy uh, out of the Shadow Order. Um, like because when I think of the Shadow Order. When I think of, like, I actually immediately think of Displacer Beasts, even though the Shadow Order are not Displacer Ooh. Beasts. But that's, like, what I think of when no. I think of, like, a D&D monster equivalent. Um, and so 
I would look towards those kind of monsters that are already set in the D&D universe for inspiration in designing more human-based abilities, character-based abilities to fight against. Because um, I'm not afraid mm-hmm. of homebrewed monsters. Oh, no, not at all. There's some really interesting creatures in... Um... I think it's Volos mm-hmm. that are some humanoid, like, shadow monk fighters. I think they're, like, hobgoblin iron hands that are interesting uh, in that regard. Or you get to play with shadows. Shadows. A CR, a one-half CR. What is they Like, I'm going to take a second here and share the the shadow creature in... Where on earth are they? In D and D, I'm always like, "Oh, I'm playing with level three characters. I can throw a shadow in there." And then I read the shadows' abilities, and I go, "I forgot that's a thing." So a shadow, get this, it's one half CR. Okay. And it can do this. It has Dex plus two, Stealth plus four. So you're adding six to any Stealth roll for a level one, two, or three party. It has damage resistances to acid, cold, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical attacks. It's immune to necrotic and poison. It's vulnerable to radiant. It's immune to exhaustion, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, poisoned, prone, or restrained. Has dark vision up to... This is a shadow. Yeah. This is a half CR creature. Now, it gets even better. In dim or light darkness, it can hide like a rogue. It can squeeze through space one inch hide. It's weak to sunlight, so that gives you a little bit if you can get clever. This is the part where I'm like, I forget that this is a thing. There are plus four hit on their attack, which is a strength drain. That then does 2d6 necrotic damage, and their target's strength score is reduced by 1d4. If the target dies when its strength is zero... A new shadow. Well, if a creature dies to to a shadow, a new shadow rises one d four hours later. This is a one half cr creature. I mean, okay. Have you ever played Dragon Quest? No. Okay. So there is a staple in the Dragon Quest series. Uh, their most iconic monster are the slimes. It's a little blue upside down teardrop like creature. And Mm -hmm. later in the game, almost every single dragon quest becomes a grind fest towards the end. The only dragon quest that I played a ton of, what was it? It was uh, Sentinels of the Starry Sky. I don't remember which one it was, but I played it on my DS. And um, I got to the final boss. And like I had appropriately leveled all my guys. And I beat his first phase. And then his second phase was such a power spike. I I tried grinding for days, maybe weeks, and I could never get strong enough to touch this guy. Well, throughout the campaign, there are different kinds of slimes. There's a slime. There's three slimes. There's a king slime, which is three slimes like jumping into each other and becoming bigger, and suddenly they have a crown. And then there's metal slimes. And then there's giant metal slimes. Well, the metal slimes take one damage per attack, unless you hit them with a metal attack, because metal on metal really hurts metal. Um, 
but they also naturally flee as fast as possible from the fight. And that is because they are worth, when you kill them, gobs and gobs of XP. That is akin to what I'm hearing. It's like, look, it's not that you're strong, and it's not that you have a lot of health. It's just that it is really hard to hurt you and makes the end all worth it. Uh, so that's kind of like the vibe that I'm getting from this idea. Like, these guys are really hard to hurt, but not just that. These guys can, like, suck it out of you, too. Yes. So anyway, that was a little rant on shadows, but you could totally turn that into something for the shadow order. Like, they are yes. agents of the shadow order that you would just change them from being undead to something else. Um, but yeah, so... I think that the the now hear me out on this. I think maybe the King Cow Shadow Order play would be for your tier two or tier three. Yeah, because I think it would be super interesting in your tier one plays. So that's levels one to four for anyone listening. Um, tier one to four, you actually based on your actions choose Shadow or King Cow. Or whatever order. So if you don't choose either of them, maybe you land on one of the other ones, which like maybe the um oh what the what the what is it the the Hanat the Hanati or whatever it is. And maybe for you DMs, what you could do is you kind of you kind of do a bit of a fate system. Like if you're looking for a longer campaign where you're gonna lead them to this choice and then go from there. Like uh -huh. maybe on your monster of the week or whatever it is um you like see like do they try to quell the upset spirit or do you just straight up slaughter it and it's like oh there's anger in you you just straight up killed that thing you didn't try to you know just make it a happy spirit again you know like you know, nothing like that but like if those darker tones are taken that's what you know allows you as the dm to justify ah maybe we're gonna have somebody from the shadow order try to recruit you like we see there's darkness in you join us we have cookies you know whatever it might be um it would it would help i think you guide your storytelling a little bit too like if you have that system to kind of help you go along um for yep. especially if you're a newer dm uh that's definitely something that it's that helped me just have a plan like if they choose this then this is something that i will also have happen it's not it's some may call it railroading others will call it good planning <laughs> Railroading a well-run railroading game can be railroad style game can be as delightful as the open world. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do with my life because I have too many choices and now I'm at an impasse and I'm not sure what to do with my life type campaign. Exactly. Railroads have diversions. <laughs> Railroads have turntables. Anyways. Um, so um, I, I think, and I, I, if you're going to go for the different, for like leading to a choice, I think that you're probably going to be best set with actually like a Kinku style start. And because the shadow order did stem from the Kinku, Zed came from the Kinku. Correct. Um, yes. so, so it'd be a great natural evolution. Like they pilfer off of the young disciples and are like, Hey, we think that you could be a disciple over here again. We've got cookies. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we we did a little bit of that when we did our um, Targon campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's similar in that regard. 
And I think whether you do the fate system like you talked about, there also could be a really interesting line where rather than it being you and the like Shadow Order versus King Cow, you start with the King Cow, but the discussion is whether you actually keep the balance. So if you're talking about this monster of the week, maybe each each game you play, they are presented with preserving like choices. Mm-hmm. So do they preserve the balance of the spirit realm in f- at the cost of the physical realm or vice versa? And you have a literal scale that you just track. For those of you who are playing triangle strategy, this should sound very familiar. Triangle strategy? It's a bunny. It's a rabbit trail we'll talk about later. I'm going to put it in a tab on my on my computer. Triangle strategy. So, something like that and whatever triangle strategy is. So, so I think that would be a good tier 1 and you could tie it to an order. You could tie it to being the protector of a village, like the spiritual guardian of mm-hmm. a village. And then you get a really interesting space where maybe you do go out and you kill all the spirits. And then a king cow guy shows up and you either duel him to a standstill or you realize your failure and repent or you kill him and then that sets up the second tier which is where you are either fighting on behalf on behalf of the navori the shadow order or the king cow yeah in whatever result of your actions came out so is the spirit world now at an imbalance is the so yes i think the next yeah and we've already talked enough about that tier what would it look like to have that what would be the what would be tier three? So now we're talking like city level hmm. engagement. This is where it becomes a lot more up to the DM because it's like you could go with like if you go with the Shadow Order, then you have to betray all the people that you love who are technically now against you, or um. Maybe it's there is a greater spirit in the land that helps balance things out. And it's like, no, we believe it needs to go down. And it's not going to be just the spirit you're going against. It will also be like if you're so if it's Shadow Order, then like you're going, you're going against. Yeah, like you're going against Shen. You're going against the Kinku Order. Um, And that is like the upscaled battle. Um, that you are now facing because it's like what you do should you succeed there will be a scar on the land um Mm -hmm. and in the balance of ionia and what that entails we're not sure right and so you'd be picking this path between running a, a raid on the shadow order or running a raid on some some demon or spirit that the shadow order believes is impeding that and and you could take the same line with the navori brotherhood too so the navori brotherhood might be like we need this region to be pacified so you have to go destroy this monastery because they're keeping everyone from from joining the one it is all ionia movement all about so you would fight aurelia power 
Mm-hmm. You would fight Irelia in that case. Yep. So yeah. So if you go if you go Shadow Order direction, you're fighting Shen and I don't know if Kenan would come in there, but you're fighting Shen at least. Ah, throw in the Lightning the, Mouse. Why not? Well, I don't know if the light. I don't know the Lightning Mouse's lore, so. Um, he he oh, is man. with he is with Shen. Like he and Akali do regularly travel with Shen. Okay, and then um, if you go Navori Brotherhood route, one for Ionia, then your enemy would be Aurelia, maybe. Yeah. And I need to read more into why that would be the case. And if you go King Cow, your enemy is going to be both Navori and. Shadow Order. Like Zed. you're gonna it'll be a series of having to stop them from doing it. And that could make for some interesting moral plays where maybe the correct answer is to do what the Shadow Order is saying. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they actually make the right call. I would love and you're like, to consider what kind of battle would it take for me to change who I'm in D D. For me to change who I'm attacking as a player in the middle of the battle. Like, I suddenly disagree that we should be fighting this person. That means I'm now fighting you. Like, what would it take for me as a player to be like, I think I need to do this. That's what I, I would love to yeah. have that in a campaign. Yep. And without without it being like a party betrayal. But maybe you're fighting with a bunch of NPCs. Anyway, yeah. Or there's maybe, a lot. Or maybe that's a that's like a final battle kind of thing. Like maybe your entire party it's not just one person gets to choose that. Everyone in your party is like, I need to reevaluate my life decisions. Who am I fighting for right now? And just and then that could Ugh. be like let the player choose. Like if it's justified enough in your role playing and character development, then it's like, yeah, it really does come down to what's the what's you what do you want as a player to do? So yeah. I think that'd be I think It'd be a creative storytelling challenge for the DMs. Because it's not one yep. that I think Guy or I would happily say, here's how you do it. No, because I think it's going to be unique on whatever path they choose and what you've put in front of them as far as the types of spirits or demons you pull from the D&D world or reskin from the Ionia. Right, right. Ionian world. So, let's see. Tier 1 is... Say the village, choose an order. Um, two is is tier two what we just talked about, or did we go to and I we thought, moved on to tier three? I thought tier one was you're kind of starting out in the village. Tier two is you're recruited, and that would have been tier right. three. Or so tier that would have been leading battle. towards it. Yeah, and so tier three when we're on the like continent of ionia scale yes not quite to god's continent of ionia scale which you could you could you could get there because like there's beings such as syndra who in the lore have godlike power right and so you would be moving towards that her in tier four so regardless of the order you're in, all of them want to preserve the existence of Ionia. Uh And so then you just have this villain, Syndra, um, who is, who is beginning to, to threaten. And that would be like, she would be the final boss in the, in the fourth tier. 
the third tier would maybe be one of her acolytes and the whole deal would have to be going around because she went to a bunch of temples of power if i'm not mistaken yes or something like that it was something like that i have power um you could also railroad either side of the campaign whether they go shadow or kinku and you could argue that like whatever your choice is it does for the shadow order it maybe it you purposely cause unbalance and then it releases her and you're like, ah, oh, crap, we need to deal with that. And if you're on the other side, it's you unknowingly unbalance it and she's released. So in other words, you could, you could kind of have the end game scripted from the start, regardless of their choices, but give them the agency to get there themselves. Oh yeah. I'm just like, I'm quickly peeking at her. She's scary. She's really scary. Yes. Her gameplay don't she... match her lore. <laughs> Sounds like Aurelian. Um Hey, they're they're fixing him soon. I know. I'm really curious what they're gonna do with that. I'm very happy um, to see what they're gonna do with it. Because they their dedication yeah. is uh keep it dragon. Keep a big dragon. They want to meet the dragon fantasy, and I'm very happy to hear that. Yes, and not in the form of Shivana. I played an Aram the other day and there was a Shivana. It was no fun. Um, I love her. She might have yeah, been my first Yeah, and so there's a, there's a lot of really fun, uh, unique sites that you would be able to pull into these larger Tier 3 and Tier 4 hunt for Syndra yep. pieces. So you'd be able to go to the... She was... Oh, Wow. A unique type of spirit magic that can materialize anything into reality by force of will. My favorite part of this little overview is that the next sentence reads, and she was able to reform her clothes and helmet after being freed. And she chose that? Great. Okay. Uh, anyway, so she... Not a huge fan of the Ionian, so but nope. there's there there are a lot of different uh sites that you would be able to go to for her for Yone for the for the the demons and I mean ultimately all the imbalance that's slowly arising from the beginning of campaign one would be the emergence of Syndra hatching her next big plan. So Which Syndra always kind of reminded me of uh lissandra like they have to be rivals in some capacity right like whatever Syndra's doing and then lissandra and the watchers and then the void and then targon like i have to Maybe. imagine that it's there's the some epic the planet, scaled though. war with this world for sure now in the oh okay i think where we would so that would be tier four tier three would be the gen hunt if you're in the shadow order, yeah. you're hunting Jin for one reason. Cause, and if you're in the King Cow, that's obvious enough. And if you are in the Navori, maybe you're trying to... Maybe he killed one of the prevailing leaders or something. Yeah. I like so that. So tier three would be your Jin dungeon. So you run into that, and then it's a mega dungeon. Which we will discuss next Maybe time we'll touch on next time yeah 
Uh, so I think that's a good overview of what an Ionian campaign would look like. I really do like the idea of writing up those quick guide printout sheets. And I know I've, we've never released the first one, but they exist. We're not, they're out there one day, one day we're going to do it. Adventure is out there. So I don't know that there's much more that I would want to throw out here. There's some really cool stuff you could do with the old, this is where we um, leave it in your hands. Yeah, G-A-B there's a listeners. ton of really cool, there's a lot of cool locations and creatures, including a karate fighting, like there are protectors, which, oh, yeah, there's there's so much cool stuff you can do with Ionia that doesn't take a ton of reskinning. Yes. All right. Well, um, I think that about wraps us up for uh, our first look at Ionia. And like we said, next time we will be looking um, at this, uh, I like what you said, kind of mega dungeon, but a gin-themed uh, event dungeon, um, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into. We just want a little bit more time to flesh it out so we can talk about it and have some fun with it. Um, but we'll probably sure. we might touch on a few other things that we want with Ionia too. But we'll the next episode will definitely be a lot more. We want to give something for you to use, and maybe some mm-hmm. very specific ideas for it. So, yeah, um, yeah, um, that's it. That is it for uh, today with Ionia, the Shadow Order, the Navori Brotherhood, the Kinku Order, Wuju. We didn't really talk about Wuju, but just do sword stuff. Wuju is just, yeah, do sword stuff really well. Um, yeah. So Disappear next time, and reappear and tilt, tilt people. And as we are moving into the summer, uh, guys and eyes, it's got to be a word to say. Guys and mind life, weird. guys and eyes, um, guys in my life are uh, sort of variable between um, family and vacation and just different things. So if uh, we happen to miss a week either with publishing or we uh, get a little behind on content, we apologize. Uh, but we are, again, currently a recreational podcast. So if you're dying for it, then show it to your friends. And I don't know, you can send us money too. We're not going to beg. It's okay. Like we said, this is for fun. We love this. Ditto. <laughs> Dito. All right. Well, um, we'll wrap it up with, um, I don't know, Guy, how do you want to close this one out? Uh... Find some, like, flute harpish music that's, like, trailing into sort of adventuring stuff. You know, sort of like the no. beginning of Adventure Breath of the Wild. And then we can, like, ah! No, I'm still going to use my weird co-host and that darn weasel, which are, yes, the names of both the intro and closing music that I always use. (laughs) Maybe I could do that. Anyway, no, I don't think I'd have anything else there, but I can figure it out. Here. I'll do something here. On the (laughs) game. Oh, wait, hold on. Gamer. Gamer. Alchemy. Podcast.